0: Hello, and welcome to The Doc Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mike DeLuke, and it's my mission to help you lead a happier, healthier, and more prosperous life, both personally and professionally. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Doc Podcast. I'm really excited to welcome today's guest, Mr. Kirk Teachout. Kirk is a business coach, serial entrepreneur, and bestselling author. With the launch of his latest venture, the Seven Figure Dentist Program, through fourth quarter coaching, Kirk unlocks the secrets of successful dental practice management. His diverse experience across multiple industries has armed him with invaluable insights and tactics that ensure personal and professional growth. Kirk aims to empower dental practice owners to realize similar successes, and he believes that his four pillars of culture, team, systems, and schedule are the secrets to successfully scaling dental practices without burning out. I'm really excited to have this conversation. He and I share a lot in common philosophically, uh, and uh, really looking forward to to picking his brain on some some cool and interesting topics and bringing that to our audience. So, with that, I'd like to welcome Kirk to the show. Welcome,
1: Kirk. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks uh, for for appearing, and really excited when we kind of chatted when we were meeting and and just kind of putting our heads together on things about possibly hopping on an episode together. Um, I just I really enjoy talking to you, and uh, I'm really excited. Um, Some of what we talk about on the doc podcast platform is is teeth, and uh, some of what we talk about is finance, and some is practice management, and some is theory and wellness. And so I try to encompass a bunch of those topics. And interestingly, you you touch on all of them in your, in what you do and uh, and in your life. So uh, tell me a little bit about you, the background, let everybody know kind of what you do
1: and and how you got to this point. Sure. So um, I, and I say this a lot, but I mean, you can see guitars behind me right now. I I'm from the music industry. I am not from the dental field whatsoever. (laughs) So um, I feel like I have a, just a completely unique perspective an approach mm-hmm. that is is much different and uh, innovative mm-hmm. than what somebody who's been in the dental field their whole career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like I like doing that with any business that I do. Right, is trying to have these really great um, sources of outside industries mm-hmm. and ideas, uh, because that's how you innovate in an industry, right? How you yep. get out of the rut and the just the stagnation. Um, you, you bring it from other industries that work yep. and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and that's fine. Um, but I, I come from the music industry, learning marketing and, and trying to create raving fans with a product that only you love. And you're trying to convince people that, you know, that you, they should love it too. Mm-hmm. Whereas in dentistry, man, it's so easy because everybody needs it. Yeah. So it's like, hey, there's one, one obstacle down right there. Yeah. yeah so coming from a cutthroat industry that's very difficult to get raving fans to an industry that everybody needs and a lot of people want mm-hmm. and just using those same tactics to create an experience is just so easy. Um, so I try to bring that to all these docs and uh, my wife four and a half years ago was an associate out of dental school uh, for about two years and she was like, look i I need help mm-hmm. If I buy a practice, Will you help me? I was like, sure. You know, I I love and you. And you weren't in I, dental at
0: this time. You were, yeah, not. no, no. Okay. I was in.
1: I was watching the kids and building a company in the music industry. That's okay, what I was got doing. It. Okay. Um. So, she was like, okay. Will you help me? I'm like, sure. So I I scaled back on the music side mm-hmm. and just started helping her. So we bought the practice six months later. COVID hit. We shut down for two months, oh, like geez. everybody knows. Yep. And the rest is history. Uh, oh. But I I loved. Uh, Man, I I love uh husband and wife teams. Yeah. It's so much fun to talk with them. And uh, but there's there's so many ways that even a solo doc, a solopreneur, can create a team around them to do even what both people do. But but yeah, I mean that's kind of how I got in and and where I am now and just kind of going from
0: there. Yeah, it's so it's so funny because my story is literally the same, but on the other side, I was the orthodontist <laughs> and my wife was uh, an occupational therapist by by training and, and trade and, and taking care of the kids. And I was like, can you help me with running this practice? Because as I started my own practice from scratch and started building it from nothing, I realized I needed help with that. So it, it's it's very similar to uh, where, where I started. And I think so many people, I think that's why you see a lot of husband and wife teams, uh, either both doctors, one or one, the doctor and one helping in the management side um because you need help in, in a lot of ways and and it's just i think as you said we're these solopreneurs we go after this thing we it's our achievements a lot of times are are almost sort of a a blessing and a curse i know for me it it when you're achieving at those high levels all the time academically you just think well i can just handle anything that gets thrown my way um and you know a lot of us too we achieved athletically and and, and in social pyramids so you just kind of you have these social interactions that you have achieved success in academic actions and physical endeavors. And you start getting all these things thrown at you in practice. You're like, I can do this. I can do this. And then you start going, wait a minute. Okay. Now that I'm really, really busy when you, and we don't have a lot of patience, it's to see when you're building it from scratch, you can kind of juggle all those balls. But as soon as that patient volume keeps ramping up and ramping up, when you really care about your patient care, uh, those things get harder to manage. And, and, and so I'd like to talk to you kind of more about that and, what you saw in the dental industry when you got started and made that transition over? And what did that look like? And as an outsider who hadn't, which I think is really good, because I think a lot of times in any industry, when you're in it, you, you do tend to become a little myopic because just human nature, you're just you know, in it and you're what you know. Um, what was it like coming from a totally separate industry and looking into dentistry on the business side and the practice management side? What did what surprised you? What was it what you expected? And how did you then do some of the things we're going to talk about to help your wife's practice get so successful? Sure, that's
1: a great question. Um, so initially, you know, is as, as everybody really, consultants, coaches, doctors, all these people are just like, okay, when you come in, the first thing you don't do is change anything, <laughs> and so I was like, okay. Um, so we got in network with all insurances. We kept every single team member. We didn't paint the walls. We didn't move mm-hmm. any artwork that was from the seventies. Like nothing, right? Yep. yep. Um, so we came in, and I know we. I remember the meeting that we had with the previous doctor, who was who was literally uh, about to retire. So he ended on a Thursday, and we showed up on a Monday. It was turnkey. Wow. wow. Uh, the, the team didn't even know that we were really buying the practice. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So we Uh, show up Monday morning and they're like, who are you?
0: We're like, (laughs) I don't know if I've ever heard that uh, of of anybody. (laughs) Honestly, I don't know if I've ever heard that there wasn't any overlap.
1: Right. Yeah. It was crazy. And honestly, I think it was the perfect scenario though. Yeah. Um, especially for my wife who is very passive. Um, you know, I feel like coming from a male doctor to her, uh, she would have used him kind of as a crutch or like okay. as a, yep. a net yep, um, to not really push herself as a leader and as a clinician mm-hmm. um, and really second guess herself even more so than you already do as a practice owner. <laughs>
0: yep. yep,
1: So, so it was honestly a blessing in disguise and we liked it that way. Yep. But yeah, I, and I joke with my team still to this day who are still there from the early days is like, you know, we talk about when new team members come on, like that was what happened. They didn't know us. Oh, and they were just like, yeah, I mean, but after a few weeks, like we had a vacation planned and the old doc came back in for a week. Oh, wow. And um, to cover for us, we knew he knew that we already had that plan when we bought the practice. Oh, that's and, great. And he was like, yeah, I'll cover for you. Like, OK, great. Thanks. So he did. And that next week we got back from Disney World and uh, everybody on the team was just like, thank you so much for coming back, <laughs> 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 which was a good confidence boost, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, But from what I saw, you know, coming from the music industry into the dental field, um, I saw that there really hadn't been any innovation whatsoever. Mm. Like there wasn't any push to, you know, to market yourself because everybody was just kind of having social hour. Yep. Um, You weren't really... Uh, which I, I get it, like as you get older, you, you kind of start watching things, but there's sure. a, that fine line of like clinical neglect mm-hmm. versus actually watching something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I saw all of these things. I was like, man, we're just, we just have this, this huge well of value that we can give back mm-hmm. now. Um, so we, we got the practice for a little over $300,000 um, and then we took it to over seven figures really quickly uh, because all we did was just treatment plan what they need be kind to people create an amazing ex- experience for mm-hmm. people and that's just like the beating drum of the whole office Is like how can we create an amazing experience that creates a team culture that everybody enjoys coming to but also a patient culture that everybody enjoys seeing yep from the team yep and with so doing that, it just kind of snowballed, and you know we obviously broke down the systems, and we failed a lot, and we grew a lot. And, yep. Um, but but we were able to focus on the things that really mattered to us. So I, you know, I, I talk about how COVID, you know, really, it was a blessing in disguise. You know, we. We know as entrepreneurs and, and as business owners um, and also as doctors, we know what we need to do a lot of times, mm-hmm. but we don't make the time to do it. Yeah. Yep. And so when we were, you know, shut down for two months, we had all the time. Yeah. No, I, uh, trust me. I uh, yeah, had a major career
0: <laughs> decision change when I had some time to think. So right, yeah, I right. it. So yeah.
1: we had the time. We're like, okay, what do we want and how do we want to do it? So, what do we want to do to create a lifestyle practice yep. that revolves around our lifestyle that we want? We have small kids; we have four kids under six. So, how, yeah, <laughs> that's that's a lot. So, <laughs> so, how do we? We'll get to that later. But how do we? <laughs> how do we create something that we're not just working our butts off and neglecting our kids, and we only see them for dinner time and then bed, and then yep. on the weekends? Yep. But still successful. Yeah. So we can create those memories with our kids and have the income to be able to do those things. So we really focused so much during that two months. I painted the whole office white instead mm-hmm. of mint green, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> little things like that yep. um, to start that patient experience. Yep. To change that mentality of that office and, um, It was amazing that, uh, you know, even the old doctor's wife came in later on and was like, I've been meaning, I have wanted him to change these colors for so long. Wow. I'm so thankful that you did because, you know, as creatures of habit, you know, we, we kind of get stuck and we do just go on, on autopilot. Yep. But, you know, even, even in leadership at our church, you know, they like pairing older with younger and. Getting those new, fresh ideas that mm-hmm. are from a different perspective, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's not challenging the authority, but it, what it is is it's bringing fresh, just ideas. Yep. Yep. Um, and and that's what I love about you know pairing up with people like that. It's like, okay, how can I bring some freshness to this? Yeah. And just really level it up, um, even if it's something that we don't do. But just just get out of that mindset of the box. Yep. How do we get outside of that box and
0: think? Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. a few things you said there that I think are extremely profound. Um, when you just a week preceding when this episode is airing is an episode with Dr. Rail Bernstein. And he and I um we recorded it yesterday, literally had the same conversation. So he's an orthodontist out on the West Coast. And he, we literally had the same conversation about when he started his practice and I started mine, we both started with nothing. Um, I sublet space from another guy the days he wasn't there. He literally sublet a chair from a guy, uh, just to kind of get his start. And we both said, he, he said before I said anything, just as you did here that, uh, the entire thing is centered around the patient experience. And it's so funny because his episode hasn't aired yet, yet you just said literally exactly. And when, when the two episodes are back-to-back, week-to-week, people are going to play it and think that it was set up. Yeah. I mean, it literally is verbatim what he said, and then I countered saying, that's how I built my practice, was creating a patient experience. And I think so often we get caught up in the gimmicks and in the the yeah. the, the, the marketing turns into creating this almost illusion that, okay, this is what we are, but patients know if that's not what you really are. And at the end of the day, people still want to be treated fairly honestly with respect and valued. They want their time valued. They want their dollar valued. Uh, and, and they want a service that, that they can be confident in, and people that they trust. And if you give them those things, even if you're in a mint green office or in rails case in a dental office, in some random chair, or in my case, in some very dated sort of older office uh that had we would joke the couch was like basically the couch you'd have in like the dorm room you know like yeah, a, 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 oh, in, yeah. In, the, in the fraternity house like that like that wood rail you know cou- I mean yeah. and it wasn't my vision but but um the and the guy was you know, a great orthodontist himself but he was older and in the practice it wasn't my necessarily vision for an actual physical space but we just created a emotional space that our yep. patients gravitated towards. And, and next thing, you know, each day, each week, more people are calling and more people are talking about us and more people were referring. So that's one thing I wanted to address. It's just you know, it was so profound. And I, and I think something for so important for doctors, especially of any age, obviously to remember that, but for those starting out to not get too focused on the, um, marketing side of things, which company, which bracket you're going to use in general dentistry or in orthodontics or in general dentistry, which scanners you have, you know, all of these things you can kind of market to people. Great. And there's certainly places for some of those, but never let that replace the patient experience and valuing your patient. And the other thing you said that I think is really, I give you a ton of credit for, and I'm not saying this in a patronizing way. I sincerely mean that I know very few people who've done this and I talked to residents about this and I didn't do it soon enough. Is that you and your wife sat down before things started getting a little out of control, before the uh, speed was going a little too fast and said, we sense this is going to happen and how do we put actions in place to let our quality of life Keep in line with our work life. And and if you would just take a, a brief moment and maybe go into that a little bit more on how you did that, because a lot of people hear something like that. And maybe they think they're doing it. Maybe they think, well, I'm not really busy right now. So why would I worry about that? Or I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. That'll be a good problem, right? That's a good problem to have. Be too busy. Mm-hmm. But it's still a big problem. So how did you both have the foresight to recognize that was something that was probably going to be coming down the road and then the discipline to put it into action? Have you heard about the doc community on Facebook? It's where you can get access to more great content, including case reviews, select clips from CE courses and podcasts, literature reviews, and exclusive promotions and discounts off doc educational materials. Just go to Facebook and search for the Doc Community and submit a request to join the group. And now back to the podcast.
1: So I think I think part of it's just mindset, right? So yeah. I, I talk to docs all the time, and they're like, "Oh man, so you know, I want to be, I want to own tons of practices. I want to do this, I want to do that, and so that way I can, you know, have four Bentleys and all these." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, cool. That's fine if that's right. what you that's what want, you right? Yeah." But my priority is my family. Mm-hmm. So for anybody who wants to have that balance and they want to create a three-day work week, Mm -hmm. you can do it. Mm -hmm. We did it. Now Mm -hmm. we're trying to figure out how to do a two-day work week and still (laughs) produce the exact same. (laughs) And we started last week, so we'll see how it goes. (laughs) But still, like when we sat down... We, we'd been listening to, you know, different podcasts, different coaches. We hired a coach and who had done what we we're trying to do, okay. um, in working three days a week Okay, and still just, just outpacing everybody. I'm like, okay, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it comes down to what we've already talked about. Parkinson's law mm-hmm. is that you fill the time that you allot for the task. Mm-hmm. So if you only allot three days a week you're going to learn how to get ultra efficient in those three days. Yep. And if you're there five days a week, you're eventually going to fill all of that time mm-hmm. and you're going to be ultra efficient in five. But the problem is you're going to start burning out. Yep. Because this profession, even though I don't physically do the work, mm-hmm. I watch my wife day in and day out. And I talk to thousands, thousands of doctors every month. Who are just like, and you know, we've talked about this. If I would have known dentistry was like this, I would have never gotten into it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, part of the reason why, Mm -hmm. yeah, part of the reason why is because it's physically demanding. It's emotionally demanding. It's relationally demanding. It's mentally demanding. Yep. And so what you have to combat that with is obviously the mindset. Like you have to have a good attitude going into it, being able to meditate, however you do that. Yep. But you also need to have more rest than you have time on.
0: Mm. Is my that, philosophy. That, that's a ve- so I want to restate. This. So have more rest than you have time on. I want everybody to hear that because that is completely counter to the way we're wired and the way we're taught. Right? We are. We're type A's. We're achievers. We always have to exceed and and keep doing more, more, more. Study more. Work harder. Get more patience. What you're saying, we need to basically look at our mindset and look a little deeper beyond just the achievement side and say, wait, 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 I need to plan for not just two vacations a year, two weeks a year to go away. I need to plan for every week how much time I'm going to be in the office, seeing patients in the office, doing business administrative duties and not in the office or
1: doing any of that at all. Right, right. Mm. Exactly. So a lot of times, like there's two different two different um things here. So like uh, two kind of different roads that you can take. Okay. Um most of them, most doctors, you know, the average doc or practice owner will do about eight to nine hundred thousand dollars a year. GPs anyway. GPs, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um uh, eight to nine hundred thousand dollars a year, working four to five days a week. Okay. Sometimes more. And yet we work three days a week. Mm-hmm with one doctor. Mm -hmm. Now we have two, but one doctor Mm -hmm. and outpace all of them. Um, So most of it, that one path of of doctors who are just kind of doing average and and working four to five days a week, I guarantee their schedules are not really optimized. Okay. So my next question is what do you
0: attribute being able to work fewer days and generate equal or higher revenue? Right. So
1: most of it is just that their schedule is not optimized Mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I guarantee that, you could probably cut out a day and then actually see what a full schedule looks like. Mm. You think it's a full schedule, Mm -hmm. but it's not. There's a way to rearrange it, play a little Tetris and really optimize that schedule. Um, which is, I feel like is my strength, period. Mm -hmm. I do this with doctors all the time. Okay. So that's where you saw. So
0: you saw that from the beginning, just because it's just kind of innate ability you have organizationally when you were looking at things, when your wife took over the practice, you were able to just sense that, or did that take a little time to get a feeling for like, wait, we're being really inefficient in the time we're here. We need to, to change that or maybe a little of both.
1: Sure. So it was a little bit of both. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we look as, as our team uh, jokes, because we have one-on-ones with everybody every month. Um, mm-hmm. I have a one-on-one daily with my wife on the way home. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we're always asking, yep. <laughs> right? yep. Yep. we're always asking questions like, okay, that was such a chaotic day. I feel like I just did a $20,000 day and yet it was a $3,000 yep. day and I did 30 fillings. Yep. Yep. Why? Yep. Okay. Why you mm-hmm. ask the question why? And then there's the twelve thousand dollar days that you feel like you saw four patients yeah. and that was the easiest day you've ever had. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Why is that? And so what we did during those two months is we looked at our schedule. Okay, and we like okay, if we start at eight thirty, we work eight thirty to four thirty, which is another miscontempt or another thing that people are like, oh yeah, you work fourteen hour days those three days. I'm like no. Mm. Nobody mentioned we work that. 8:30 yeah. to 4 30 mm-hmm. and have an hour lunch. Mm-hmm. So throw that out the window real mm-hmm. quick. And that's patient but hour
0: time, 8 30. Yeah, that's patient hour,
1: hour time. time. Yeah. yeah, we get there 45 minutes before. Sometimes we stay until 5 30, but still, like it's a pretty normal day. Yep. Yep. Um, so if we start at 8 30, then what do I want to do? Like, okay. Cool. What do I like in the morning? What do I like in the afternoon? And this Mm -hmm. is the same exercise I go through with other doctors Mm -hmm. is what do you like to do? What do you not like to do? Mm -hmm. And what does your patient base actually need? Because like ours is in a a rural area, Right. right? And so we have a lot of fillings and a lot of extractions. <laughs> yep. Yep. And like in so, orthodontia,
0: uh, there's, you're going to have to have adjustments in the afternoons. It's right. just, it just yeah. it is what it is. You could say, if I want to practice where I do no adjustments after 2.33 PM and put braces on that time, but you're probably not going to uh, have as many patients to show up. So exactly. It's a balance of of yeah. what, you, what makes you successful and fulfilled versus meeting those patient uh, expectations and needs.
1: Right. Right. And there's, there's some docs that like doing lab work, you know, their own lab work. Mm -hmm. And that's cool. Like, if you Mm -hmm. want to do that, great. If not, delegate it. But either way, we look at the schedule and we look at the larger procedures that we know is going to make us the most profit. Mm -hmm. And we try to figure out how many of those during the day Mm -hmm. we can do. Okay. (laughs) We start with the large procedures. Yep. On one column. Yep. And then we go to the next column, which is going to be your restorative. So your fillings, extractions those smaller uh, production procedures. And we fill in the gaps there Mm -hmm. with those. Mm -hmm. And then we have assistant driven on one column on the right. So we have three columns. And we just kind of look at that and we just kind of run through it like a dance going between hygiene checks and through the schedule. Yep. Um, and you know, my, I was like, okay, well, what do you not want in the afternoon? And she was like, I don't want root canals. I want those in the morning, but not the morning morning. I want them in the mid morning. Mm-hmm. So I'm warmed up mm-hmm. and I'm getting going. And mm-hmm. then I just slam dunk a root canal. I'm like, okay, cool. What do you want in the afternoon? It's like, I hate having hard fillings in the morning. I want those three to four surfaces in the afternoon because they're harder. I just want to be able to do Ooh. it in the afternoon. I'm like, "Okay, cool. Preference. Great." And so we just went through. Interesting. And we figured that out and we tweaked it, adjusted it, and we trained our team on it because it's not so much if you have the schedule efficient, if your team doesn't know how to run that schedule sure. efficiently, yep. False part. then you're still going to be chaos.
0: Yep. 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 And there's a couple but, things there too that I think um to pause on for a second that I want to hit no, on. You're good. One is is in orthodontics and we have a lot of GPs and pediatric dentists and, and non-specialists uh, are um, non-orthodontists that listen too. And so orthodontists sometimes hear this and say, well, it's different for us. Right. Or, uh, you know, it's not in a sense because we still have the big procedures, putting braces on, putting Invisalign attachments. So as orthodontists, we call them starts. We've got these procedures we call our starts. Well, those obviously are where you generate your most revenue. You're not charging right. people per adjustment. Most of us, yep. I can't imagine. So you've got these bigger revenue generators. Put those throughout your day at the times that they fit best in your schedule and then you can work around and fill in your shorter clinical appointments, your adjustments. We call that, uh, I'm not sure if this is something that that you use as well, but w- that was doctor time for us. Yeah. And so I, that dance you said was the other thing I wanted to hit on. So you get that set and you can do that in any, any part, generalist or specialist in dentistry, and then you do your dance. And like you said, some of that's gonna depend on what you wanna do, some of that's gonna, which I think we discount a lot of times. Sometimes we're just like, well, I have to be available when the patients can do it for everything. Well, no. you, you know, you have to make this a balance. And so you yeah. have to be able to dance through that office and not sprint and run from side to side, zigzagging all over. And it is a flow. And I love that analogy of a dance because it really is you when it's going. And I mean, there are days and I I obsessed when we when we chatted before, I never even it divulged this, but I was so obsessive over building my day models, building my templates yeah. um, I, because I needed to have my big ba- I literally despised running late on my patients. It was just something I just refused to do. I mean, if I, any of my patients who are watching this, you can write in if I'm saying something that's not true. If I was five minutes late for an appointment, people were like, what's going on? Is everything okay with Dr. Mike? Like it was, I mean, it was, I literally, no matter how we could have a reception room full of a bunch of people, but it was all based on who was in what spot of the office, whether they're in records or whether they're in, um, pre-treatment records, post-treatment records, consultation or slash new patient exam or, or with me in the clinic or getting an adjustment or something that just an assistant needs. So we'd have the, all these people, but everyone was where they were supposed to be at the exact time they were supposed to be there. Yep. And if they had a 10 minute, 10 minute appointment at two 20, my goal was they're sitting at two twenty for this quick check, let's say of a retainer and they're out at two 30 and yeah. that's what needs to happen. So I think doctors, a lot of times, get so busy and it gets so chaotic that they think i can't i just have to kind of just run through this Mm. and what you're saying is if you're not there yet you better create a plan and if you're i guess the other the question would be what if you are there yet to those people listening and they're just like kirk yeah this is great but i i i'm so busy and you alluded to this a little in the beginning of our conversation that we just get so preoccupied with the busyness that we Yep. can't change. So what do you say to those people when, who are, are just th- full throttle?
1: Yeah. And that's the second path, right? Okay. So the people who are average aren't really busy, but they think they're busy. Mm-hmm. And then the people who are actually busy and they think that they can't scale back. Okay. Got it. Okay. So, so those people, um, you know, to those people, I would say, let's sit down and look at your schedule. Right. Mm-hmm. But <sighs> And, and to your point, and this is something I wanted to interrupt you on, but I'll let you go ahead and go because it was so important, is you talking about how you have to respect the patient's time mm. is how you create that patient culture. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't respect their time, they're not going to respect your time. Mm-hmm. Great. And so many doctors uh, you know, come to expect, especially in the medical field, right? Mm. You know, oh. We feel it's even worse. Oh. Let's not get into that. Yeah. Let's not even get into Man. that. But but still, like in the medical field, right, we expect to get there on time, not be late, be even early sometimes, and still wait an hour in the reception area, yeah. and then another 30 minutes. I was just going to say half hour in the, in the room. room. You got it. Yeah. Yep. So you're an hour and a half in before you even see the doctor, mm-hmm. and that's the KPI that I look at one of the most. Okay. is i do not want people waiting in that reception area and it's not a waiting room okay it's a
0: reception that, that noticed, you notice, you we never spoke about any of this and i said you know in, in the reception room reception area i've met ne- my team if we if someone ever called it the waiting room oh, man. it was in our team playbook which is our manual our training manual like you do yeah. it is never referred to as a waiting room because patients don't wait there yes
1: yes yeah, the only people waiting are the people who drove them. That's it. <laughs> right. Um, and technically, our reception area is smaller than what our practice can hold. But instead of getting it bigger, the goal is to get people back where mm-hmm. they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we try to get them a little early. So we're starting on time, mm-hmm. not starting five minutes after. Yep. Because yep. those minutes matter. They do. Um, But for those people who are super busy, yeah, I would say – you're going to burn out. Hmm. You got to figure out what you want as a practice and you need to adjust accordingly. Yep. So if, if you want to stay open five days a week, try to find an associate, Yeah, you know, do something. Uh, But I mean, to me, what I like, would like to do, if I did have your practice and, and money was no object and you didn't care, I would say scale back four days a week mm-hmm. to four days a week and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, people who are typically working five days plus a week, mm-hmm. they're worried about the capture, Yep. right? They're worried about allowing their patients to dictate their schedule. Mm-hmm. When in reality, the people who dictate your schedule are the problem patients most of the time. Oh, yes. Without a doubt. So, So last year we our our main focus for the practice was the ideal patient who is the ideal patient interesting so you guys literally sat around and did you define that yes we did so we in our planning meeting in 2022 for 2023 Mm -hmm. we looked at who's the ideal patient we went around the whole team Okay. Somebody who's not driven by insurance, even if they have it, they're not driven by it. Okay. Somebody who we don't dread seeing on the schedule. Mm -hmm. Somebody who actually does the treatment that we suggest because Mm -hmm. they trust us. Mm -hmm. Somebody who is a raving fan of us and loves Mm -hmm. sending people to us. And they're not the ones that come in and say, when we ask them, you know, how their day is like, well, I'd be better if I wasn't here. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So with all of these things that we got from our team, we put it in a profile. And huh. if a patient didn't meet that profile, we dismissed them. No kid, really. We dismissed them. That's amazing. That's amazing. I talk about this. I don't all think the I've time. ever. Heard, I
0: don't think I've ever heard anybody say that. That is amazing. And now
1: there's a legal and ethical way to do this. Of course. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. No,
0: you can't. Right. No. They can't be in the middle of. Right. I can't be in a have temporary crowns or, in our case, right. and full braces right. and like. Oh, by the way, I'm really done with you. So you're saying right. patients that were either that at a point at treatment you would. That they could be dismissed meaning they weren't an a- sure. active we call it active treatment orthodontics but you're yeah. obviously not in the middle of a restorative procedure or so forth sure stabilized patients so you dismiss them and then maybe i'm getting ahead of myself here but then did you try to develop systems to not let the, let the patients like that in again
1: yes okay so Man, you you got to train your front desk team. Um, that's what I'm thinking. Wow, that, so, that's yeah, yeah. That, so, new patient call comes
0: in. I mean, we had yeah. a very thorough. My wife built a very robust new patient call questionnaire. Our new patient calls were really just off the charts good. We got so much good information from them in a in a right. reasonably short period of time, and the scripting was spot on. I mean, literally everything was written for them to be scripted on, and it was very very precise. Yeah. I don't know how we would have done it to also have quantifiers in, for if this patient is a good fit. So tell me more about that. How did how do you how do you set those parameters, and how do you get team members to understand them and implement them? Hey everybody, be sure to check out the Doc website where you can get access to tons of great information, including free educational content, access to private one-on-one coaching with me, ADA SERP recognized CE courses, and amazing patient testimonials. Just go to theorthocoach.com. That's the orthocoach.com. And now back to today's episode.
1: Sure. So a lot of it, so I was in the front for the last two and a half years. Okay. Um, with our front desk person. Okay. So I was like a pseudo manager, would piggyback calls if you know she was busy. Okay. Um, so she got to hear a lot from me. Um, and you know, she learned a lot from me. I learned a lot from her, but we just kind of built this system of synergy okay, to where we were essentially the filter. Okay. Now, obviously people will, you know, get through that filter, but we didn't have a robust questionnaire. Wow. Um, but the way that we do it, a lot of it's intuition. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the times within the first 60, 90 seconds, I can tell what kind of insurance somebody has mm-hmm. and whether or not they're going to be a good fit for the practice. Mm-hmm.
0: Just is based that teachable of the, to someone
1: else? Yes. It is. Okay. It is. It is because I've just done it. Okay. So I fired myself at the beginning of this year. Okay. Where happily, I can focus right? Up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Happily fired myself. It was amicable. Right. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> on good terms. No, yeah. 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 No, no bad terms there. Yeah. But, uh, but I've, I've been training and our front other front desk has been training this new person. Um and it's like clockwork. It's so easy. Wow. But it's it's just asking certain questions, knowing certain triggers. Yep. And as you're getting patient information, you ask certain questions, like not robust, but just certain questions that give you a feel for what kind of patient this is. Okay. Um, and, you know, we're not biased, but what we do do is we give every patient a solution, even if it's not with us. That was going to be my next question is what do you do when it's not a fit? So, you know, especially if it's, uh, you know, a a state insurance or something we're not in network with, yep. then we we're like, look, we're not in network, but I want to give you something. Mm-hmm. So, and we have the list of all the ones that are actually in network mm-hmm. and we give them some of those numbers. We tell them solutions as to how to do that mm-hmm. because a lot of doctors and, and offices in general, they just write them off. Yeah. I can't tell you how many of those patients pay cash because we're just so kind to them. Yeah interesting but you always provide a solution um so we go through and and i mean it's either hey you know this this doctor i know is a network this doctor may be in network still like we just give them a solution and it's yep. worth our time yeah because you're just being a good human being I saying, it's general. the right thing to do i mean
0: it, it, yeah it's all well and good that you you know play devil's advocate people could say oh it's all well and good you don't want them but someone has to treat this patient so i love the fact that it's like look it's okay to have defined parameters of who we feel is a good fit for us and our practice. Uh, and by doing that, we're going to allow to focus our time, energy, and efforts on the people who really do value the service we provide, as opposed to trying to convince those who don't value it to value it, which I always found is one of the most frustrating things. Right. Um, and then I, I love that you said that you know, we also find a solution. It's not like, well, you know what, you're not a good fit for our practice. You, you know, Take care. You you offer them something to try to get them the service from someone that,
1: that they would, that would be in line with their values. Right. Right. And, you know, cause I know a lot of GPs that, um, will, you know, have a doctor interview, you know, yep. basically like for yep. a new patient interview. And so what we do is we cut that out. We don't want to okay. waste my, my wife's time. Okay. We don't want to waste our associates time. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we essentially are that filter. We are that interview. Okay. And we know whether or not based off the verbiage that they use, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, if if they're already hesitant on being at the dentist or mm-hmm. they're nervous and like, you know, we try to win them over by the end of the conversation mm-hmm. um, about how we're going to take great care of them. And we always talk up the providers that they're going to be with. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, Emily's going to be your hygienist. She's going to do a great job. You know, so on and so forth. You're going to love Dr. Lauren. She's really great. And we do that every single time. Mm hmm. So they know what to expect. Mm -hmm. But in all of that, if we still have kind of a weird vibe, Mm -hmm. we don't do it. Mm -hmm. Because it's not worth our mental health and our time to try to make it work. And I I feel like that's what so many doctors make mistakes with that is they try to make it work. Guilty. Without a doubt. And it doesn't. It you can't, you can only lead a horse to water. Yep. And if you want to have a great schedule and a great uh, patient base and a mm-hmm. big, ba- good patient culture, then you have to filter those patients out and you, you know, you have to take, stop taking certain insurances. You need to be able to get rid of a lot of the things and headaches that are really causing your biggest bottlenecks. Wow. So that's, again, things I, I really haven't ever, uh, heard
0: anyone describe, but I love, and, uh, uh, and some people might react, say, oh, that's selfish or no, I, I really I being someone who was guilty of the opposite, which was really kind of trying to please everyone. And I think we are just in this profession. A lot of us are people pleasers. And it sounds like maybe that would have been your wife's tendency too. to yeah. um, had she not had you there to kind of say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know so many things with me that my wife, because she wasn't trained in, in dentistry and was had a little more objective view from the outside in would say to me, like, this, we need to make. These types of changes, um, and for the benefit of us, the practice, life, health, you know, whatever, whatever it is, and and I know so many, so many uh, docs that are in, are in that position, and I think with that, you obviously uh, have, as I said before, proactively put a lot of balancing lifestyle decisions into place, and you and you continue to. But yeah. this is a big struggle for docs. And I find especially for female doctors. Um, yes. And because and I know a lot of them, I've trained a lot of them because a lot of times right about when they get done with school, especially if they specialize, but even if they don't, is about the time they're starting to want to have a family. Um, mm-hmm. And now with the debt that everyone's coming out with, it's the, that debt is is very heavy on that weighs very heavily on them. And emotionally, and they feel this tremendous pressure to go out, use the talents and skills they've worked so hard and spent so much time and money and energy developing and and gaining. But then they've and then they've got this financial pressure, but now they've got the maternal instinct or the the sort of um, desire to start a family. They're also bearing the child. They also have to, you know, be pregnant for nine months and practice while they're going through that, which isn't easy. Deal with the drama of a team. Yeah. I mean, it's so how I have a lot of, of female docs that listen and reach out to me about this and that I coach. And so what would be some of your advice having gone through this with your wife? And what can you offer them as far as what strategies can they use to to balance
1: it all? Man, that's a good one. Um, And that's ever evolving for my wife too, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And I think, yeah, Um, probably for everyone. Yeah. uh, That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always a struggle, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I think, I mean, part of it is leveling up your leadership. You know, I, as my wife is passive, and and our team knows that, and so mm-hmm. not that they intentionally take advantage of that, but when somebody knows something, you you typically do take advantage of it. Yep. Even subconsciously. Even subconsciously, agreed. Yep. Um, but you know, something that early on with those one on ones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when she would come in and we would be in the the truck on the way home, she would be, you know. Uh, upset about something and uh, maybe a team member or something. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, did you talk to them about it? She's like, well, no, I don't want to. I'm like, okay, but there's a, there's two options here, mm-hmm. right? And this is, this is hard for a husband to say this to her wife, but I, or his wife, but I said this. Either do something or stop complaining. Mm-hmm. So even for males, this is some, a, a problem. Oh right? yeah, yep. Is we have a lot of talk, but we don't do that. We don't put it into action, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and that right there is why, I th- uh, what I really attribute our success to is I've been coaching my wife for the last four years, mm. and she's been doing the same thing for me on my side. Mm. You know, we we have our strengths, and so we play to our strengths, but we help each other with our weaknesses which is why it's so important to have a coach. Yeah. Right. That's why I have three right now Mm -hmm. and they all have a coach and they Mm -hmm. all have a coach. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it's to get yourself out of your head. Like I had a call with a client earlier today and he was like, I want your advice on this. And, and you know, it's a big deal and and all sorts of stuff. And he was like, I can go one or two ways. And I was at the end of it. I just asked him, I was like, you know, it sounds like you already know the answer. Mm -hmm you know, what do you want to do? You're just asking for confirmation. That's sure. all it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're having that issue and you have a weakness, then you need to hire a strength to your weakness. Mm-hmm. So if you have a problem with disciplining your team, then you need to hire an office manager mm-hmm. who can do that. Mm-hmm. If you have a problem with marketing, you need to hire somebody who is good at marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, So you need to hire to your weaknesses, not to your strengths. Because if you mm-hmm. hire a bunch of people who are really good at what you are, then nothing's going to get done because now you can't delegate mm-hmm. and not everybody can do the same thing. But what about the people who say, and I agree with you. What about the people who say, um, when I've had
0: these conversations with, with docs, okay, now you're telling me to be more efficient in my schedule, work less time, right? And initially, before I ramp it up and figure that out, there's probably going to be a cut, and hire a couple top-level people, which isn't always easy to find the talent, number one, and or retain that talent uh, and train that talent. And again, so for the person who's just starting out, they think I don't have the resources to do all that or the need for it. And I see that all sure. the time. And I also see the other side, again, back to what we were talking about before with, with the managing of the schedule, who say, well, you know, I'm so busy, the last thing I have time to do, right? It's just easier for me to do it myself than to try to ha- bring someone on to do that. Because I feel like I hear that very often. And I was guilty of some of those, those you know, on that spectrum as well. So what would be your advice to people
1: who come at it with that approach? Man, um, uh, so if you're struggling on the personal side, if you're super busy and you're trying to just keep it up, mm-hmm. you may want to look at your personal expenses. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah, fair. You may need
0: to scale back a lot. So you're your saying the financial expenses. pressure personally yeah. is causing them to have too much pressure in the practice to produce and not have the margin to hire the right people to delegate some of those headaches. Right. Okay.
1: Right. Maybe. You know, that may be sure. something right, right, right. like it's maybe impossible. they, they went out and bought a new Denali and, you know, and instead of maybe a Toyota and mm-hmm. now their monthly car payment is an extra $1,500 a month or, mm-hmm. or, you know, they, they may have bought all these things. Cause I know we did it, mm-hmm. you know, we, we did the poor mistakes. Like every doctor does, as soon as they get out, they mm-hmm. bought all the stuff because now they're mm-hmm. making the income and then you just mount your debt up. Yes.
0: Yes. And, and it becomes a habitual, it becomes a behavioral pattern too. It becomes yes. a habitual behavioral pattern. So, uh, it, and you'll rationalize your way, your way out of it. Uh, I had a, one of, I think the, was it the first podcast I put out before I even had a platform it was last summer and um, it was on delayed gratification. And I, nice. I, I'm sure the residents that I teach are like so sick of me saying that to them, but I like, I beg them, please. I say, you will never live more modestly than you live right now most likely right and in, in your residency you've come through school you're, you're 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 watching every penny you're you're living probably renting a place cuz you're at places for a couple years at a time just stay there for like a little pretend you're still there for like a year yeah. or two when you get out and start making money just don't increase your, your, your lifestyle. Okay. If you want to go on a vacation for a week to, you know, a, a domestic place, that's not going to be, you know, a $30,000 trip, or if your car's breaking down and you want to get a little nicer car, but, but you don't go buy the big house, the big fancy car, start taking all the trips right away, because it will start a couple things I've seen. And I want to pick your brain on this quite a bit. Um, it creates patterns, creates spending patterns, it creates image patterns, which means mm-hmm. when you do have those things and then you're going to all of a sudden not when you join the country club and uh, you're going to just not go, we're going to not stop paying dues for a year. Probably not, but if you wait one year to join it or two years to join it, uh, then when you're at the country club, you don't have to keep up with the people who are pulling in in there yeah. I'm down in Naples so <laughs> you, know, you can only yeah. imagine the cars that that are all over the roads every day but but yeah. um you know, in most areas, let's say it's a BMW or a Mercedes that that your neighbor's driving uh, that pulls into the club and says, oh, you know, look at my new car." So those temptations it's just discipline. it's discipline yeah. to to focus. so how did in, in talking to you before, I know we share that value, uh, and I've been very open with my my viewers and listeners about that being the secret to Minor Renee's success, starting with literally nothing in the early two thousands, having no money, forty million dollars student loan debt, uh, and having to work our way out of it, but reaching financial freedom by our mid forties. I attribute the ba- a lot of great people helped me along the way, and I've had them on the podcast, and it was it, it it's a journey. That being said, if you said, "What is Mike the one thing?" The one thing that helped get you there in the speed you did, it was delayed gratification and discipline uh, Mm. to be, to, to uphold that. So what do you, what do you suggest to doctors who are struggling with that? Uh, How do they budget? How do they look at how to spend their money? What does it look like? I mean, what is that? What's that process like? How have you been able to help people succeed in that arena? Hey, Doc Podcast listeners, the biggest compliment you can give us is to share the show with friends and family. That way others can benefit from all the great content Doc has to offer. And now back to today's episode.
1: That's a tough question um, because everybody's different mm-hmm. and there's not a cookie cutter approach, right? Because it's, it's based off your goals, what you're trying to do. Um, and man, I, I would argue that Most people don't have an earning problem. They have a spending problem.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So something we do fairly regularly is sit down and see what our statements, you know, what's going out. Mm -hmm. This is you and your wife or you with your... The people, yeah, you coach. yeah, so okay. so yeah, so so we'll do that. I'll do this with the people I coach too, okay. Uh, because a lot of times, yeah, if I look at their PL and their metrics are off, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, well, why is your lab bill so high? Mm-hmm. Why is your supply cost so high? Who's doing mm-hmm. your supply ordering? Mm-hmm. Oh, your assistant, well, do they know how to order supplies? Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, little things like that. Um, so you help with that is, as well. You, you, yeah. help uncover that, oh, yeah. and then do you
0: also help? Them implement the the systems uh to fix it to remedy it.
1: yeah yeah typically yeah so a lot of it is they just don't know right so they had a benco rep come around and like oh yeah this is the best you can (laughs) ever have like okay well what about patterson or henry shine or your local rep or net32 or like any any other one right right um so so i look at all of that um but uh you know it it still comes down to saving though you know, if you can't save while you're in dental school, then you're not going to be able to save when you start making hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand dollars, five hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, because it still comes down to Parkinson's law. Yeah, right. Because your finances are going to grow as your income grows. Yep. Yep. And so that, how do you get it to not?
0: And uh, I know. <laughs> I know how we did. Uh, my yeah. I'll tell my story. It, it, yeah, uh, go ahead. You know, my wife put me on a budget, put us on a budget. And I mean, yeah. she's told the story. And it, I mean, literally like it, I was like, wait, I only get this much each week.
1: <laughs> like, yeah.
0: wait, how am I going to like get coffee? It's like, well, we're going to have to buy coffee and make it at home. Like, cause that, and those are the sort of decisions Can that you imagine we imagine? I know, right. Coffee at home. <laughs> I know. And to this day, something we still do. Right. I mean, you set yeah. up those, those habits and you then find that that's fine and comfortable. And, uh, you don't realize, you realize you don't need all those extraneous expenses. And so, you know, we put out a clothing budget, a food budget, a a leisure budget, right? Because I think it is still very important to budget for downtime, relaxation time. Um, My wife just put out a, um, I had the first time she actually, she's not one to be on, the the front facing side of the camera, but she surprised me with a little two and a half minute video that I put up on the doc community and on our Instagram page with talking about um, the work hard play hard, and that's always been a philosophy. You know, you you have to set up time to play. You sometimes you have to schedule time to play, and it's okay to just say like, hey, look, this is going to be our, you know, this whether it's Saturdays or you take Wednesdays off, whatever it is, and your family is going to be different, but make sure you take time to play and make sure you budget so that when you do have time to play, whether it's a couple's sort of date night or a family time or both, Mm -hmm. that you're doing it within budget and not impacting on that amount, that margin that you need to save. So that was our formula uh, and we kept it through right along. And as our income started to really, really go up, as the practice ramped up, we still had those disciplined spending habits. So that margin started to get really big. You know, so our expending maybe went up this much and our, for those watching on video, it went up maybe a little bit and then way up yeah. was our income. So that margin got big. And then we started investing and yeah. beyond the scope of this to talk about what's invested in, but we invested that difference. And the principles we used to budget that I learned from, from her in budgeting uh, early in our relationship, when I started the practice, I just applied those same principles to pr- managing the practice finances. And then I became, I mean, I became Kind of her on steroids from the from the uh, budgeting side with my practice, I was obsessed over having the best of everything for our patients, the best quality everything yeah. materials, um, whether it be even just you know down to the scanners we purchased or the lab materials or whatever it was retainers we used. but I also was obsessed with making sure that our spending was so efficient. Um, so when our pra- my practice was valued, by a guy named Chris Benson, who's a very well-known name in the orthodontic practice valuation arena. Uh, That year in 2018, when I had it valued as I was looking to to bring someone into the practice, um, it was the single lowest overhead percentage of all of the practices in the US he valued that year. And I say that very proudly because it wasn't because we were skimping on things. I mean, again, best brackets, wires, top of the line, everything. That was my vision. So those are the principles that I used. Is that what you coach people on? Is that, is it just, you know, is that the right formula for it? How do you recommend yeah. people about it?
1: Yeah. I mean, so obviously different people have different problems, so mm-hmm. it really depends. But yeah, if somebody's having that issue, that's something me and my wife do as well mm-hmm. is, you know, like for instance, the millionaire mindset, it's a great book. Yeah. Great. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. But he suggests doing 10%, like you yep. need to spend 10% of your income every single month on something fun. Something fun. Yep. Now we like to be a little more disciplined and uh, look at like you know we'll budget our vacations and different things. But really, what we uh, get down to, I think my wife's is at two hundred and fifty dollars a month right now, which is not even close to that percentage, right? And mm-hmm. mine, I think, is right, like a right. hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. But that's all I actually need. Yeah. Right. Right. But that's a good point. So what like, do you need, right? Yeah. So like my wife. Likes to get her nails done every other week or something like that. She likes to get massages, right? To help with the the neck and the back mm-hmm. pain that she gets from dentistry. Um, and she adds all that up. She's yep. like, okay, this is about what it is. And you figure out what's categorized in that. Yep. Uh, you know, the kid's clothes isn't categorized in that, but what right. do I right. need, Right. 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 Um, you know, I do mountain bike races and I love mountain biking. And so like all the supplements, the goos and all the gels and stuff that I, yeah. I like to do, yep. if I want new tires that, that month, then, you know, it goes towards my balance. Yep. And so that's what we budget. And yeah, yep. I mean, same thing is like, we invest the difference or save the difference yep. of what we would have spent, which yep. is that 10%, right? Yep. Yep. So, and so you, you get the dopamine drip yep. of the spending and the experience, but you don't have the guilt and the regret <laughs> and on the that's back. That's such a great point because I
0: find that <laughs> the people who do this that I've worked with know whether it's per- someone I've talked to and coached or someone who just this is they have a similar philosophy. We all have the same feeling that it's so much more rewarding. Like for us, and the, the post my wife put up was relative to Toby Keith passing, and one of yeah. the first things we did when we had the money was we went to a Toby Keith show. We were in upstate New York and I was getting to be pretty well known in that area and going and acting the fool at a concert locally isn't really the best (laughs) professional practice builder for the local orthodontist. So we would travel uh, back to near where my residency was in Connecticut in Hartford. And I mean, the we didn't feel guilty about it what we we knew how much we were going to spend on the hotel sometimes it was just for a night um and it was just a a getaway and our parents were great they'd take the kids and it was like we we budgeted for that and looking yeah. back those are you know could we have gone on some bigger weekend extravaganza and done sure but looking back, Kirk, like that's as with his passing, we just started reminiscing on it. And even through over time, we look back at the pictures and things from back then. And it was some of the most cathartic, enjoyable relaxation time. And we knew we could afford it and we, we budgeted for it and we enjoyed it so thoroughly. And I think a lot of times people don't find those smaller things to do within budget that aren't i mean now concert tickets are insane but you know we're talking yeah i get it i was on that side yeah right you know 17 (laughs) years ago you know it wasn't that much money to get you know for 100 bucks you could get great seats at a concert and um and you know and and it was so anyway finding those things and and i feel that you don't regret it when you're there you're all in enjoying it you're not thinking oh my god like you know this is a lot of money um yeah that's such a great point
1: yeah and and to your point too is like You know, this is something we do even with our kids to show them to like, obviously as a higher earner, right? Your Mm -hmm. kids see that and, and they get privileged, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and they don't understand the struggle and the, Mm -hmm. the, the the significance of being a high achiever and a high Mm -hmm. earner. So now, you know, what we do, um, our kids are six, five, two, and three months old. Um, (laughs) that's, that's impressive. (laughs) Um, but what we do uh, for all of their birthdays is we ask, do you want a party or a gift or do you want an experience? I love that. I love and that. so uh, that's something that one of my best friend's dad used to do. He had five boys growing up. Okay. And it, they, he would ask, like, you know, do you want to go on a camping trip or do you want a toy that's going to break in two weeks? Mm-hmm. And so they would go camping. They would go to a museum. They would do something. And create a core memory, mm, yeah. Instead of buying stuff, yep. And if yep. we can, if we can lead our kids and, um, you know, just us in general, like that's that's the way it is, right? It's like trying to be less materialistic, yep, and less, um, a, you know, chasing the Joneses, yep. and be more disciplined, like you're talking about, yep. Then your life is gonna change. And that if you look at all of the billionaires in the world, all the millionaires in the world, like the really wealthy people, Mm -hmm. they're the most disciplined financial people in the Mm -hmm. world. And it's not to say, yes, there are the people who will not spend a penny on anything. And I'm not saying go that extreme. Right, agreed, me neither. But I am saying that you need to be disciplined and not buying the Bugatti (laughs) and get the Toyota. (laughs) It's like, I mean, Gary V talks about it all the time. He's like, Yeah, I drive a Toyota. Yep. And it's a third of the cost of everything that you're driving. And I'm well, I'm well, way worth more than any of you. Right. 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 You got to be disciplined. You gotta be disciplined. And if you create those habits early on, especially with your kids, they're gonna start seeing that too. And then you're gonna create a better generation in the future. Yep. Yep. I completely
0: agree. And having teenage girls on kind of the other side of the the, the childhood um, experience where you and your wife are. Uh, I, I know they, they see that. I'm confident my, my girls understand the value of working for your money and saving, and but also enjoying and having the time to to have that playtime uh, and, and something in it with experiences especially, not just with doodads. And uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a book that yeah. was one of the first books I read um, that when I was in my residency thinking of starting a practice, I had no idea on business, um, which I kind of want to last topic I want to talk about is that side of it a little bit, kind of the, yeah. the, the business acumen side that we don't get in school. Um, but I had no idea. So it was really good for me to read that book. My wife happened to read smart couples, finish rich. I read rich dad, poor dad right around the same time. A guy in my residency, uh, had mentioned it and I was like, okay, I'll check it out. And it really got me thinking differently about money and and about right. how money works and about how to make money work for you. And I just started to change my mindset. And I think so much of this, as you just said, Gary V, it's a mindset, right? It's, it's the mindset. If you go out and you're like, Oh my God, I'm only driving this and look at all these nice cars, you're a tortured soul. But, and where are your values? If your value is having a really nice car, if you're a car enthusiast, well then fine then you're going to want a nicer car but you can't then have the huge house and maybe and the, and join the this golf club and all of these other things you have to figure out where you're going to have your enjoyment or maybe you don't like traveling for vacation right so you do more like local camping trips or staycations but you yeah. to drive a nicer car and that's so it's a balance and i think right. so often people feel like they they have to um, almost be so disciplined that it's unpleasant Right. And it's like it's just right. easier to just kind yeah. of figure it out and I'll work forever. So to that side, because we get no business education in the, the dental arena, sadly, still to this day, I did into 25 years ago uh, in my dental schooling and I'm, it hasn't changed. So, you know, young docs. Right. And actually senior docs, because older docs are dealing with this too. They're looking at what they have saved over their careers, and and sometimes it's not what they had thought. Um, they're trying to make a decision. Do I sell my practice? Do I sell to a corporate? Uh, the young docs coming out are trying to decide, what do I do? Do I buy a practice? Do I start a practice? What have you seen in coaching people? How, uh, I'm guessing you will uh, would agree that it is a very individual decision and what might work for one might not work for another and, and, and vice right. versa but can you just give some guidance as we start to kind of wind down of, of where do they start do you have questions about a clinical case or maybe a challenging practice management issue or maybe you're a new doc who's starting a practice and doesn't know where to turn for advice doc's private one-on-one coaching platform is here to help you succeed in all these areas and more just go to the orthocoach.com and select coaching
1: from the menu to enroll.
0: And now back to today's podcast.
1: You know, Colonel Sanders is a great example of potentially an older doc not really figuring it out and then later in life figuring it out Mm because he didn't start KFC until he was well, almost into his retirement years. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it just blew up from there. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, for younger docs... I, I tell them there's really two things you need to do to get ready for practice ownership. One okay. is save cash. Okay. Because when you're trying to buy that practice, the bank wants to see that you have capital to fall back on if it, you can't pay yourself. Okay. And they're like, well, how do I do that? I'm like, well, I, I don't know. You just have to figure out how to do that. Yep. You know, what, I, I know one doc that used to do everybody's lab work and he would charge him 50 bucks. That's how he saved cash in dental mm-hmm. school. I mean, you can do it. You just have to be creative. Yep.
0: And like you uh, said, the other side of that's always the spending problem too. So watch right. your spending can, you know, yeah. you can, you can save cash on there's two ends of that spectrum where you can save that cash.
1: Right. Right. And if you can do both, yep, then you're doubling up, which yep. is great. Yep. Um, But on the other side is develop your leadership skills. You know, right. I, I have three books that I want all clients to read. Um, the first one's the go giver mm-hmm. and it's a shift in mindset from being a go getter. Mm -hmm. which is what a lot of doctors are coming out of school Mm -hmm. to a servant leadership attitude Mm -hmm. where you're serving your team. Even if you're an associate, even if you're a practice owner, Mm -hmm. you are a servant to those people. Love it. Now, once again, you're not being dictated by those people, Mm -hmm. but you are a servant leader to them and putting their decisions and, and uh, you know, livelihoods in the balance of this decisions that you make. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one's Extreme Ownership, which is Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. They're mm-hmm. awesome. Yep. I love a good Navy SEAL book. love Jocko. Uh, yeah. So I love that. And it's even better if you listen to the audiobook because it's them talking yeah, oh, and war yeah. stories. This, yeah. It's awesome. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, a buddy of mine
0: literally has listened to every single Jocko podcast from start to oh, start the Oh, man. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. I love those yeah. good yeah. Those, yeah. that stuff. I, I'm, but, I'm with
1: you. But still extreme ownership is great. And if you can read the second one, the dichotomy of leadership is awesome too. Mm -hmm. So extreme ownership obviously is taking responsibility for everything Mm -hmm. and seeing where you can change versus trying to get other people to change, Mm -hmm. uh, which is important. Um, And then the the dichotomy of leadership is kind of the balance. Like what is that dichotomy there? You Mm -hmm. can't go too extreme or you go off the deep end. Uh, on either side but there's there's a balance right yeah, yeah. um but still extreme ownerships number 2 the go givers number 1 and the third one's the compound effect okay so the compound effect obviously same thing with like atomic habits by james clear mm-hmm. yep. they're great books because it's talking about small consistent changes okay you know for instance if you know if you have two different people both drinking soda One stops drinking soda or even just drinking one soda um, a day versus three sodas a day. Mm -hmm. You know, the next day, it's not going to make a big difference. But two years from now, Mm -hmm. that person just drinking one soda a day is probably going to look a lot different than the person drinking three sodas a day. I doubt. Yep. So small change over a long period of time. Yes. Mm-hmm. small consistent changes um and I know I've I've done content on this too is like everything that's happening to you right now is the result of the mm-hmm. decisions you made 90 days ago yep. yep it's it's the crop mentality it's it's reap yeah. what you sow i mean it's been we've
0: had clichés about this for many many years going back because that we all knew Going back to ancient civilizations, we knew you reap what you sow. I mean, it's it's yeah. not just relative to growing your own your own food. Uh, it is it is a life lesson. We've uh, we, Jocko. Before I forget, if have you had have you read or had your kids read or read with them? Obviously, they're not all reading age yet, but read to them. The Warrior um, Kid. The, yeah, the Warrior Kid. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Isn't that a great book? Oh
1: yeah, I, I awesome. just
0: referenced it to, to one of actually both my daughters of uh, uh, like last week. You know, they're both in just starting varsity lacrosse and, and doing well, but it's intense with practices and my other one's still finishing up with basketball. And so, you know, we just were kind of re- reminiscing about those lessons and, and, and uh, the discipline, you know, starting that discipline and understanding that. Yeah. So uh, uh, it's a great book for everyone out there. If you have kids and want to kind of have them think about it, it's written by Jocko in a way that you wouldn't think Jocko would write.
1: Yeah. You know, and, you know, listening to Jocko, it's, it's, it's really well done. So it, it is, it is. And, and that's something that, I try to instill with my kids. So, you know, at the end of every shower, I turn on the cold water for 30 seconds. Nice. And a lot of my team was like, you are a freaking drill sergeant. (laughs) And I'm like, look, look, yes. For the first couple of weeks, they hated it. Yep. Okay. But if you ask them why we do that, they will tell you to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Absolutely. Yep. And now if we go in like, you've been in there for 20 minutes, get out. No, I haven't done the cold yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. They love it. They're conditioned to- to, I'm getting them to getting comfortable with being uncomfortable because practice ownership, being a doctor in general is uncomfortable. Yeah.
0: And life Life. is uncomfortable. Yes. yes. (laughs) Life life punches back. Life punches back. And, uh, you know, again, not to- too philosophical on tangents with this but I just love talking to you about this stuff because it's it's I think so often people are afraid to say that I think so often today I feel the pendulum shifting back a little bit but like with my generation um you know kind of the Gen Xers and that sort of uh you know like it was like try to soften everything right make make yeah. it easier for kids make it so that and as docs out there know how many, Well, it started as kind of helicopter parents. Now it's bulldozer parents, right? We joke about it, but it's the parents who literally are, you know, holding the hand of the 12, 13 year old in the chair that has no physical or or mental disability or has any other issue. They need support from a parent as a as a adolescent, uh, for let's say something like, I don't know, getting a new wire in their braces. Right. So, but that people just look at that and like, well, that's okay. Well, okay. I'm I'm not going to tell anybody how they have to parent their child, but I've had, I can comment and say, you're not building a resilient kid and life is going to punch them. And it just, it is in some way, shape or form because it punches all of us every day. And you're gonna ha- they're going to have hard days when you're not there to hold their hand. So again, I'm certainly not the one to say I'm a perfect parent. I, I obviously make mistakes as well. And I'm always trying to learn and get better. But I love that you bring that up to say, hey, look, there's ways you can apply these discipline principles to your kids and, and, and to your life in general and just live and self discipline. Jocko talks a lot about that, right? Self-discipline. It is so much
1: about self-discipline. And not compromising. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of people think that, you know, I'm working like crazy in what I do uh, outside of the practice Uh, because I coach doctors. I do, you know, I'm working on a retreat right now at the end of the year Mm -hmm. and they're like, oh man, you just must work all sorts of hours and all sorts of like, no, I get up super early or I stay up late. Mm -hmm. I take the Kobe Bryant mentality. Of like, I'm not compromising my family time because mm-hmm. I made a post yesterday of when you're as high as a kite, your true values show. Mm-hmm. When I had my wisdom teeth cut out when we were just a few months married, um, all I could say in ball was, I just want to be a good dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all a, I could say was, over, and yeah, over and over and yeah, over again. Yeah. The truth serum. <laughs> but, but that's, that's my <laughs> core value. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. So I'm not going to compromise that. And I've struggled with that Yeah, um, to where like, okay, yeah, you know, I'm not going to bed with my wife every night because I'm working late at night. Yeah. like No, yeah. like I only work one night a week uh, when everybody goes to bed. I mm-hmm. never take a client call or anything between the hours of five and eight thirty because mm-hmm. that's our dinner time, our Bible mm-hmm. study time. Mm-hmm. That is our family time. Mm-hmm. It's like setting boundaries, being disciplined in that. Same thing with your patient schedule, right? Yeah. If you're disciplined and you dictate your schedule, yep. Everybody who is a fan of you is going to wrap around that, yep. And they're not going to be the problem people that you want, yeah. <laughs> or so don't, want, same, I guess
0: <laughs> it's the same. It's the same formula. I uh, actually, I want yeah. let's, I wrap it up with that. That is just. um it's it's interesting the, the the conversation went in ways and and uh, i I didn't even anticipate, uh, I but I just love it. I love that you shared so openly and um, of your own personal stories. and and I, I really appreciate that. A lot of people aren't willing to open up about that. And I think I've tried to share more of my personal stories than I've even been sometimes comfortable with because I feel like that is how others learn. And through hearing those stories and realizing the struggles, some, as you said, people, you just kind of alluded to it there. People see you and they automatically assume you have to be doing X, Y, and Z. And unless you share with them what you're really doing, they don't know. And maybe that person's struggling and thinking I'm a failure as a dad or as a practice owner or whatever it is, because I'm not doing it like Kirk or like Mike or whatever the case might be. But um, we're here to say, look, no, no, we make just as many mistakes, but having that self-discipline and Mm. understanding your vision and what you want to create and working every day to get there, um, knowing you'll probably never get perfect at it. But as long as you're working on getting closer toward that goal, you can apply it across all of this. We've touched on parenting, practice ownership, right? And business endeavors and, and clinical side of dentistry and administrative side of dentistry, uh, um, budgeting, finance. So it really, it, it, it's the core principle of all of that. So I, I really appreciate you. And I hope everybody follows up with you just, I'll put it in the show notes, but how can people get in touch with you? Uh, if they want to, uh, talk to you more about what you can offer.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, they can, they can get on my Instagram. My f- f- thumbs are on fire all day, just messaging <laughs> doctors at Kirk teach out. Okay. Um, they could also go to the seven figure dentist.com. I have okay. a guide there that's how we work three days a week and have a seven figure practice. Okay. But then also they can just email me Kirk at fourthquartercoaching.com but the fourth is IV, So you'll have it in the show notes. Yeah, I'll put it in there too. But Kirk at IV quarter coach or uh,
0: fourth quarter coaching but it's IV instead yeah. of fourth. Cool. Okay. I will put that all in the show notes and, and, and link them up to that. So yeah, Kirk enjoyed it so much. Really. I've enjoyed getting to know you through this process and thanks for being sharing so openly being on the doc podcast and uh, yeah, let's plan to, to have you back at some point in, uh, in the future, kind of keep in touch and, and there's so much more we could, we could talk about. I'd love
1: to have you back at some point. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Remember yeah. be like Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it, bud. All right. We'll talk to you. See you. Thanks, Mike.
0: Thank you for watching this episode of The Doc Podcast. Be sure to visit theorthocoach.com to get access to ADA SERP recognized CE courses or to schedule a private one-on-one coaching session with me. And remember to join the doc community on Facebook for more great content designed to help you succeed both personally and professionally. Just go to Facebook, search for the doc community, and request admission into the group. You can also find Doc on Instagram at at @theorthocoach. And always remember, you have been blessed with the ability to do amazing things.